Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. When I look at the Patriots right now, it's difficult for me to say that they're the best team of the AFC because I look at a team like the Chiefs and it feels like they're hitting their stride. And we've seen Pat Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey do it. So when I look at the AFC in general, other than that, there's not a team that I would say is definitively better than the Patriots right now. When I look at a team like the Buffalo Bills, and we'll get into the Bills game in greater detail tomorrow as we get closer to, I guess, Monday night football. But when I look at the Bills, I get it. Their offense is second in the NFL. Their defense is second in the NFL. But Josh Allen hasn't been the same player this year. And one other thing you, you would look at with them, over the last month or so, their offense has really taken a step backwards. If you look at Josh Allen last four games, nine sacks, seven interceptions. So he's not that same unbelievable MVP candidate, if you will, that he was a season ago. We saw the Tennessee Titans last week. Who knows what's going to happen with the Derrick Henry situation long-term? And if he does come back, is he going to be the same Derrick Henry? Julio Jones has never gotten going for that team, and we don't know when he's going to come back. He's on IR. And A.J. Brown, who has turned out to be their best weapon, really, over the past couple of years, the guy they drafted after the Patriots drafted to kill Harry, but nonetheless, that's neither here nor there. He's on IR as well. So he's going to miss the next, I guess, two games because technically one of those games or one of those weeks will be their bye week. So we saw that Tennessee Titans team. You see Tannehill? When Tannehill had to win the game for that team, how'd he fare against the Patriots? Oh, yeah, he threw an interception, and, oh, by the way, he didn't throw for 100 yards. I get it. He didn't have weapons, but he's not carrying an NFL franchise. So Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, I don't trust that team. Okay, Indianapolis is a tough team when you look at the fact that they can run the ball, but Carson Wentz, we saw the real Carson Wentz show up last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When he threw the two late interceptions, I get one of them's a Hail Mary, but the one prior to that, when you have an opportunity to go down the field and win the game, Carson Wentz throws you an interception. Are you scared of the Browns? We saw that. Baker Mayfield, not nearly the franchise quarterback that Cleveland thought he was going to be. And then you look at a team like Baltimore. Yeah, they're good, but their defense stinks. Their defense is not what it's been in previous seasons, not to mention their offense isn't electric. Yeah, Lamar Jackson can make plays, but it's not exactly an offense that you're particularly scared of in terms of the weaponry. Brown's a fine player, but he's not an absolute stutter, and they don't have multiple weapons. So when you look across the landscape of the AFC, the only team that I can definitively say right now that is better than the Patriots, and they're not even really on paper, but just by reputation and what we've seen them do in the past and the runs they've gone on in the postseason, is the Kansas City Chiefs. But the other thing I'd point out as it pertains to Kansas City, Bill has always had a good game plan for Mahomes. I know that he ripped him apart in the second half of the AFC championship game a couple of years ago, but look at last year's game as well. They go to Kansas City on a short week, and Pat Mahomes does next to nothing in that game, and you would have had a chance to win the game if it wasn't for Brian Hoyer, who was your starting quarterback. And remember, he didn't know what the hell was going on at the end of the half. Remember that? I mean, you had a chance to get a field goal on the board. Brian Hoyer doesn't realize the team doesn't have any timeouts. That's the one thing he was supposed to do, right? Don't screw it up, and he screwed it up. So that's why when I look at the hierarchy in the AFC, I look at the Patriots right now. The only team that I would say is definitively better than them is the Kansas City Chiefs just because of Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, et cetera. Although I would say the Patriots have less holes than them. 
You know they're going to play well defensively. You know what they want to do offensively. With Kansas City, they are more prone to a bad afternoon than the Patriots are just because we've seen it happen on many different occasions this year for this team where they have looked really bad at times. The Patriots, yeah, at the beginning of the season, they didn't look great against the New Orleans Saints, but ever since that point, has there really been a game where they've looked bad? They didn't look bad against Dallas. Now, their defense did not play particularly well in terms of the rush defense, but overall, the offense was fine. You had an opportunity to win that game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, you looked fine in that game and had a chance to win that game and, quite frankly, almost did. And I still go back to the decision Bill Belichick made to, A, kick that field goal and then not go for it on fourth down earlier in the game. So there were mistakes made in that game, but it's not like you didn't have a chance to beat Tampa Bay at the end of that one. So the Patriots have really been in every game they've played and with the exception in New Orleans. And the other thing I would point out is the Patriots feel like right now they are one of, if not the most complete team in the entire NFL, top to bottom in terms of the rosters. Now, they don't have the weapons that some of these other teams have. But some of these other teams don't have the running backs that the Patriots have. They don't have the offensive line that the Patriots have. And they definitely don't have the defense that the Patriots have because right now the Patriots defense is the best defense in the NFL. But another thing I wanted to get to real quickly here is just it feels like we've gotten caught up with the comparison between this Patriots team and the 2001 Patriots, right? That's kind of the comparison that gets brought up is, yeah, this team kind of feels like the 2001 Patriots. I feel like you can go to a team much more recently than that to remind yourself of what this team looks like or what at least the plan is for this team. And that's the 2018 Patriots. I feel who won the Super Bowl by the way. They were 11 and 5. Remember they struggled for a good portion of that season. They lost to Detroit. They lost to Tennessee. They had some really bad losses in there but they figured it out. They figured their identity out at the end of the season and What their identity was, was they were going to be a run-heavy football team, and they were going to play really good defense, although the defense that year was not as good as the defense this year. But if you just look at it in terms of comparing the 2018 season to the 2021 season, you look at Mac and you look at Brady. So how about this? This is really crazy. Tom Brady in 2018, when the Patriots won the Super Bowl, you know what his quarterback rating was, or passer rating, I should say? 97.7. That ranked 12th in the NFL. Brady was not great in 18. Now, he was great against the Chiefs in the AFC title game, and that's the great question about this team. What what happens when Mack gets in a big moment in the postseason on the road in the playoffs, right? We know that Brady was going to get it done when he gets into those situations, right? But just if you look at the numbers in totality, Brady, 97.7 rating. You know what Mack has this year? 97.1. Pretty much the same quarterback rating. He's 16th in the NFL. And, oh, by the way, another thing to account with this one, Mack completed 70.3% of his passes so far this season. That ranks fourth in the NFL. Tom Brady was at 65.8, 19th. Well, Brian, hold on. Mac Jones checks it down. Mac Jones is dink and dunk. Okay, well, okay, so let me tell you about that for a second here. Mac Jones, I'm not telling you he throws the ball down the field all the time, but he's at 7.6 intended air yards per attempt. Okay, that's not a big number. You know what Tom Brady was in 2018? 7.7 air yards per attempt. So if you look at the similarities between Brady at the quarterback position and Mac Jones at the quarterback position in 2021 compared to Brady in 2018, it's pretty damn close. Now, if you look at what those teams wanted to do offensively, Brady actually had more help in terms of the running game in 18. So the Patriots this year, 
They are 12th in the NFL in rushing yards per game at a buck 15.2, 27.8 rush attempts per game. That is 12th in the NFL. So they want to run the ball. There's been a few games in there where they've went away, went away from it, like we saw for a good portion of the game last week against Tennessee in the first half. You saw clearly the game plan was, hey, we want to throw the football. And we also saw it in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game because the Bucs were such a great rush defense. You weren't going to try to run the ball against them. Well, in 18, the Patriots were fifth in rushing yards per game at a buck 32.7. So significantly better, about 17 yards better than they are this year. Okay, not to mention the fact they were actually running the ball more in 18 than they are this year. They averaged 31.2 rush attempts per game, which is third in the NFL. You compare that to this year, the 27.8 rush attempts per game. So if you look at what the Patriots had in 18 compared to what they had in 2021, Brady actually had more help from his running game than Mac Jones has had so far this season. So if you're just looking at a formula in terms of Making a run, making a deep run in the postseason, you don't have to look all the way back to 2001. What you have to look at is 2018. Now, I understand. I'm not telling you that Mac Jones is going to go into Kansas City and he's going to, in overtime, third and 10 to Edelman, third and 10 to Gronk, third and 10 to Gronk. I'm not telling you that I know definitively that he can do that. But I do know that this formula that the Patriots have, we've seen them make a deep run with this before. And not to mention, the defense this year is better than the defense we saw in 18. Now, the defense in 18, in fairness to that group of players, they got significantly better as the season went on. The Patriots' defense this year has been good for about pretty much, though. It's been great the whole winning streak, but it we saw signs of it against Tampa Bay, right? We did see signs of it against Tampa Bay. It was not good against New Orleans, and clearly it was not good against Dallas. But those are really the only hiccups for this team. They've been dominant ever since. But if you look at the defense so far this year, First in points per game, fourth in total defense, third in passing yards per game. So the defense has been there as well for the majority of the season. So if you're trying to figure out how this Patriots team or why this Patriots team can make a run, look at the 2018 Patriots as sort of that example of how they can get there. Now, the other thing I just wanted to point out is this. It's pretty amazing to me. And by the way, if you want to weigh in on, are the Patriots the best team in the AFC? Are they capable of making a deep run in the postseason? All that on the table at 617-779-7937. The other thing I want to mention is, real quickly here, just sort of an update on where we sit as it pertains to the divorce with Brady and Belichick. So we had all this time where we were talking about the fact that, well, it's over. Tom proved that it was him. Tom wins the divorce. Well, now it's kind of like, I'm not so sure about this. So just think about this for a second. Brady leaves the Patriots a year and a half later, basically a season after they're in contention to A, win the division, B, get the number one seed, and C, make a run to the Super Bowl. All that is in front of the Patriots right now as they currently sit at 8-4. and And the greatest player in the history of the sport just left. And the Patriots are already back to this level. It took them a year to get here. You would think if you lost the greatest player in the history of the sport, it would take your organization a ton of time to recover, especially considering the fact we've seen great quarterbacks leave teams before because those teams had a plan that was set, right? When you think about Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck was there at number one. You're obviously going to take Andrew Luck. You'd have to be an idiot not to do that, right? Same thing with Brett Favre. They had Aaron Rodgers. He was sitting on the bench for three years. They knew he was ready to go. The Patriots didn't even have that player. And Belichick was still able to recover in less than a year. 
when they didn't know exactly when Tom was going to leave. And I'm not getting into the whole discussion of whether it's Bill's fault that Tom left or Tom's fault, whatever. I'm just pointing the fact out that he had to find the next guy. The Colts and the Packers had the next guy. So you look at it. Think about the other greatest player of his era that we currently have in sports right now. LeBron James, right? When he leaves Cleveland, this is what the team's records were. 19 and 63, 21 and 45, 24 and 58, 33 and 49. Okay, so that comes out to 97 and 215. They had a 310 winning percentage. The Cavaliers did until LeBron James returned. Oh, by the way, the Reds just scored. It's 2-2. So 2-2 in extra time, uh, 123rd minute of this game. So it's now 2-2. But anyway, getting back to my point about Tom Brady. Well, since Tom Brady has left the Patriots, they went 7-9 and with Cam Newton. I guess one game, Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham, and 8-4. and So do the math real quickly. That comes out to 15-13, and 13, a 535 winning percentage. And I think we would all agree that they're trending in the right direction. They're getting better. So here's the thing. This whole idea that it was over, Tom won the divorce. Yeah, he got a Super Bowl ring. But think about now what some of the narratives will be if this team makes a deep run. And it's not going to stop after this year. Mac Jones is going to be the franchise quarterback for this team, hopefully for the next decade. Unless something goes incredibly wrong, that's the plan. You drafted your future franchise quarterback. So no matter what the Patriots do in the postseason this year, whether it's a first-round exit, whatever it is, the Patriots are going to go into next year with a whole lot of hype. And if Bill wins a Super Bowl with Mac, the divorce is going to go in Belichick's win column, if you will. Because you know what's going to happen, right? It's going to be like, well, hold on. Bill's doing the same thing that he did with Tom earlier on in his career. Bill made Tom. That's what we're going to hear. And by the time Tom left, he was the greatest player of all time. We all understand that. But when Tom went to Tampa Bay, he went there with Belichick's system. He went there with the Patriot way that he learned from Belichick. And that same narrative is going to come up if Belichick makes this run with Mac Jones. And here's the thing that proves that this is the right decision for Bill and why he's heading in the right direction right now. If Tom came back in 2020 based on the money he got in Tampa Bay, his cap hit would have been $25 million. You couldn't even afford that at the time. In 2021, in the offseason, they extended him. So the cap hit, not big this year, $10.5 million. But then you look at 2022, you're looking at $18.3 million next year for Brady. Okay? Think about the play. Think about what's going on with the Patriots right now. Mac Jones makes less than $3 million. He'll make less than $3 million next year. Or he'll make just over $3 million next year. Then he gets to just over $4 million. And then he gets to $4.5 million. So Belichick... The great thing about Bill, and we've seen this in the past, is he's not emotional with his decisions. See, we in the fan base are emotional with the decisions. We looked at it as Tom's the greatest player in the history of the sport. He deserves to finish his career here. Bill looked at it from a totally different direction. How do I do what's in the best interest of the franchise for the next decade? Not what's in the best interest for the 2020 Patriots, because clearly the 2020 Patriots would have been better with Tom Brady. But what was the ceiling for that team? Oh, yeah, they weren't going to win a damn Super Bowl. So what's the point? Is Tom going to be the same player in five years? No, he's not going to be. So Bill looked at it from a long-term viewpoint. And Bill's the guy that's been around Tom for all those years. And Bill's the guy that doesn't get caught up in the emotions. There's a reason he isn't as close with Tom or he wasn't as close with Tom as some of the other coaches. How many organizations would have said, yeah, Tom's coming back? And it would have been a mistake. Because if you have Tom here, 
You never get Mac Jones. You're playing with Tom Brady for two more years. Your roster is not good. You don't have all the flexibility to sign all these guys you did in free agency. So history will prove that Bill Belichick made the right decision when it comes to it. And he's already ahead of schedule. He's 8-4 and four with Mac Jones, a rookie quarterback. And if Mac makes a run, oh, man, it's going to be bad for Tom. That's the reality of it because what's going to happen, too, is people are going to say, well, Tom went to Tampa. Okay, Tampa was loaded. They had Mike Evans. They have Chris Godwin. Belichick did him a favor. He traded him his buddy, Rob Gronkowski. They had the best defense in the league last year. When they got to the postseason, it was more about the defense than it was against Brady. Remember that Packers game? He threw three interceptions. Had a passer rating under 74. And by the way, what happened in the Super Bowl was the defense held Mahomes to 270 yards with two picks on 49 throws. That's what's going to happen. People are going to reverse it. Well, yeah, well, yeah, Brady didn't really carry the Bucs. Yeah, I mean, he was the final piece. But how many quarterbacks could have gone to Tampa and won a Super Bowl there? That's the argument you'll have if Bill continues on this trajectory with Mac Jones. So the fact that Bill wasn't emotional put him in the position he is right now where he has now opened up a window for the next decade for the Patriots to be legitimate, bona fide contenders. And I contend this. If Bill doesn't win a Super Bowl, with Mac on this rookie contract, it will be a failure. I'm not talking about this year. The rookie contract has three more years after this plus the fifth-year option. That gives you all the flexibility to sign guys every year. Like right now, the Patriots are projected to have $29 million in salary cap space next year. I'm not telling you you're going to have $70 million every year like you had last year, but you're going to continue to have a whole lot of money in salary cap space. This is how teams win in the NFL. Russell Wilson, back-to-back Super Bowls, both on his rookie contract. 1-1, of course, lost one to the Patriots. Pat Mahomes, back-to-back Super Bowls on his rookie contract. 1-1 year, of course, lost to the Buccaneers last year. So when you look at it in terms of the history of the NFL, a lot of these teams that are having success right now have quarterbacks on their rookie contracts. In fact, nine of the last 18 quarterbacks to play in the Super Bowl were on their rookie contract. And of the nine that weren't on the rookie contract, five were Tom Brady. So you tell me, this seems to be the right avenue to build a Super Bowl-worthy team or build a contender for a sustainable amount of time like the Seahawks did early on in Russell Wilson's career. You know how many NFC Championship games Russell Wilson has played on since he got that big contract? Zero. By the way, Aaron Rodgers hasn't won a Super Bowl since getting that big contract. In 11, you had the uncapped year, but since then, he hasn't been able to do it. Flacco won a Super Bowl on his rookie contract. Kaepernick played in a Super Bowl on his rookie contract. So when you look at it, it makes sense to go in this direction, especially especially considering where the roster was at in 2020. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So are the Patriots the best team in the AFC? What are your expectations for this team going forward? If you want to give some early thoughts on the Bills game coming up on Monday, that's on the table as well at 617-779-7937. Let's check in with... Patrick in Rhode Island to kick off the night. Patrick, what's up, man? How you doing? Um, so, number one, uh, on the Belichick thing, yep. he is definitely the best coach in football. And there's no – I've been a Bills fan my whole life, and I live in Rhode Island. <laughs> but you, the, the interception thing, four of those came in the freaking rain on Allen, Josh Allen. It was pouring rain, and he was trying to come back from being behind. And his best defenseman linebacker wasn't in the game. So that... His best linebacker wasn't in the game? Yeah. What does the linebacker have to do with him throwing picks? Because they 
running. He was running the ball all over him. The linebacker couldn't. He stops the. He stops the run. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I don't. The, what does his linebacker uh, have to do with him throwing picks? I don't. I, I don't understand. All right, so it's pouring rain. Yeah, right, and you're trying to come from behind, and you have to throw the ball. Okay, but I, so, I, I get that, Patrick. Patrick I, I, hold on, Patrick. I get that point. But what are you no, talking I, about in terms of the linebacker? The, their best linebacker was out of the game. Um, I can't even think of his name right now. I'm freaking driving, but... Milano? The, no, the other kid, the young kid, 6'5", freaking... Um, Edmonds? Yes, he was out of that game. Okay, so what playing. is Edmonds... So, oh, you're saying they're losing because Edmonds wasn't playing. No, yeah, so the oh, running okay. back was okay. running all okay. over him. They, they couldn't stop him. So, I got you. Josh Allen had to throw a lot more in the rain. and then the, So, like, four of those interceptions are – I know he's not playing great, and I agree with you, but there's a lot – like, your, your offensive line, you were missing Brown. You guys are playing not so well. You got Brown back, and you played a lot better. No, nah, that's not true, though, Patrick. <laughs> if Brown wasn't good last week – It is. They, no, 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 hold on. They turned it around before Brown listening. got back. Brown just got back. They turned around before he was back, man. Like, yeah, like one game they, they fixed it. But it took a little while for them to fix the offensive line to where because they were missing their players. Sure, yeah. I, so it's a lot of things go into that stuff. It's not just Josh Allen, you know. And you're right. He's not playing great, and I agree. But there's things that go. I don't think these guys are giving him as much, which is okay because go into it thinking he's going to be throwing a bunch of interceptions. But, all right, I got to go. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call, Patrick. Interesting way to start uh, tonight. <laughs> I'm confused, man. This line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. So, a lot on the table. Are the Patriots the best team in the AFC? If you want to weigh in on what Belichick has done to completely turn this around, what does it say about Bill? And can Bill actually... Nobody thought this was possible, like, literally four weeks ago. Can Bill actually win the Brady divorce? All that on the table at 617-779-7937. Plus, I do need to get to this. So, Wiggy's had a lot of strong takes, but he said something about J.C. Jackson that legitimately makes zero sense. We'll get into that in just a little bit here on WEI. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Daniel Jones is still struggling here as the giant quarterback. Uh, Zach Wilson looked awful yesterday, even though they won I mean, there are so many guys all across the landscape of the NFL that just have never really had it register with them what's going on around them. And Mac is way ahead of all of those guys. I mean, he is he's like in the land of Dan Marino right now when you think about Dan Marino's rookie year, when you go all the way back when he took over. Um, he's, you know, Justin Herbert, rarefy air, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, when he took, you know, took over two years ago before he got hurt. I mean, these are the numbers that he's putting up, and they're scary. And on top of all of that, you know, his team is not losing. Those go, those guys, with the exception of Marino, those other guys, all had losing teams. And I would say that they're winning in, in large part because of his performance, especially as the season has moved on. And you would think by now there would be some sort of mental fatigue that has taken over. And I don't think – I don't see any of that. I, I see 
more and more being offered to him in their game plans. He's throwing the ball down the field more. Uh, he's getting more comfortable. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've still got a long way to go. But up to this point, he is clearly the runaway offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. All right, that was Boomer Esiason on the Greg Hill Show yesterday. I like that Boomer and Wiki kind of have like a rivalry going on in terms of obviously Boomer is a huge Mac Jones guy. But Wiki, of course, is not a big Mac Jones guy. So it is kind of funny. When those two go, go back and forth. But what do you make of Boomer Esiason's comments that Mac Jones is way ahead of every other rookie quarterback? He compared him to Dan Marino in his rookie year. 617-779-7937, the number. And, of course, also on the table, are the Patriots the best team in the AFC? And can Belichick actually now win the divorce? I say yes. Agree or disagree? 617-779-7937, the number. But the other thing I wanted to get into is just how far of a run can you make with a rookie quarterback like Mac Jones who hasn't proven himself in the NFL playoffs and all that? What type of run could you make? Well, we've seen quarterbacks before get into the postseason as rookies, and Mac Jones is in a similar spot to all those guys in terms of, in recent history, in terms of what he has, right? Because we alluded to the fact the Patriots right now statistically have the best defense in the NFL. Now, if you want to knock some of it because of the competition, I understand that. But even if you do want to knock the Patriots right now for who they've played, you would still acknowledge the defense is really damn good. When you're talking about the fact that they haven't given up points in the second half in the last four weeks, that's pretty impressive. When you have a guy up front of Matthew Judon, who's a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate right now, where he's third in sacks and second in pressures, that's certainly something that's going to catch your eye and say, okay, yeah, that defense is for real because you have a game wrecker up front. You have one of, if not the best cornerbacks in the entire NFL right now in J.C. Jackson. And you can mention Jalen Ramsey. Look, I understand he's part of the conversation, but you see him last week against Devontae Adams. He got his ass lit up. Okay, Devontae Adams, what do you have, five catches on Jalen Ramsey last week? That was kind of embarrassing for Jalen Ramsey. So just the point being, you have, and I can't remember the last time the Patriots have had this. Maybe you go back to 14 with Chandler Jones, but Chandler Jones wasn't even peak Chandler Jones yet. You go back to Chandler Jones and Darrell Revis when you've had a legitimate game wrecker up front and a legitimate pass rusher. But I would even say Chandler wasn't there yet. Like, he's definitely not on the Judon level right now. So Chandler wasn't at that point yet. You may have to go all the way back to the first dynasty where you had Seymour up front and then, of course, Ty Law as your number one corner at that point in time. So it's really been that long since the Patriots have had both of those pieces, not to mention you're getting good production from a guy like Barmore. McCourty, I understand that he gave up that run or he's part of the problem in the run, but McCourty's having a really good season. He's first in opponent's completion percentage. He's first in opponent's quarterback rating as well. But nonetheless, just getting back to the original point, I believe this Patriots defense, even if it takes a little step back, it's still going to rank in the top three for the entirety of the season. So Mac, like some of these other quarterbacks that have made the playoffs as rookies, have what those other quarterbacks have, which is a really good defense. And the quarterbacks that I would point out in terms of guys that made it to the playoffs in their rookie seasons. Russell Wilson in 2012. You had Ben Roethlisberger who made it in 05. And then Mark Sanchez. I know Robert Griffin III made it as well, but that was kind of a different scenario. That was more about the offense than the defense. But I'm just talking about how those Seattle teams were built, how the Pittsburgh Steelers teams were built, and how the Jets were built. So if you look at Mac compared to those guys, his numbers are actually more impressive. So just to put it into the proper context, Mac so far this year, 237.5 yards per game, 31.8 attempts per game, 
97.1 rating. We alluded to that earlier. The completion percentage is at 70.3. Okay, so let's keep that in mind for a second. Russell Wilson as a rookie. They made the playoffs in 2012. Remember, Atlanta made it to the NFC title game that year with Matt Ryan and Tony Gonzalez and company. And Russell Wilson and that Seattle team went into Atlanta. They almost won that game. Remember, the following year in 13, Russell Wilson and company would win the Super Bowl over Peyton Manning. But Wilson, who made the playoffs in his rookie year, here were his numbers. 194.9 yards per game, 24.5 passing attempts per game. So, like, seven less than Mac. His quarterback rating was 100, which is obviously better than Max, but by three points, and he wasn't throwing the ball as much. His completion percentage was at 64%, so significantly worse than Mac. And he had 30 rush yards per game. So you add that into the total. So if you take the total of Russell Wilson's pass yards compared to his rush yards in his rookie season, 224, still less than just Max passing yards. Okay, even in his second year, by the way, when he went to the Super Bowl, just 209 yards per game. They won it that year. He was a passenger. Mac Jones is not a passenger. Russell Wilson was a passenger. Ben Roethlisberger, his rookie year in 04, he didn't lose in the regular season because they had the number one defense in the entire NFL. He didn't lose a game. Now, the Steelers did, but this was prior to him getting the job. Remember in 04, Ben went 13-0. and That season, 187 yards per game on 22 attempts. So nine attempts less than Mac. He had a 98.1 rating, which is good, but... Like I said, he only threw the ball 22 times a game. Unlike Mack, who's throwing it 31 times. 17 touchdowns, 11 receptions, 66.4 in terms of his completion percentage. Even year two, Ben, that team went on and they won the Super Bowl in 05. He threw for just 198.8 yards per game. He had a great defense, just like Russell Wilson had a great defense when he won the Super Bowl. Ben, same thing when he won the Super Bowl. Okay, so the whole idea of this is Mack's already ahead of those guys in terms of his NFL playing in terms of the quarterback position. I know that Russell Wilson brought that other dimension to his game. And the Seattle Seahawks roster at that particular point in time was better than the Patriots in terms of all the Pro Bowl-level players they had, the Chancellors, the Earl Thomases of the world, the Marshawn Lynches of the world, the Richard Sermons of the world. So top to bottom, it was probably a little bit of a better roster that Seattle had. I would say, yeah, it's a better roster that Seattle had. But still, the idea is the same. Can you play elite defense? Yes, the Patriots can. And you have a quarterback that can make the necessary plays. Yeah, well, Mac's already proven that. Mac's already been a better quarterback in his rookie season than Russell Wilson was in his rookie season. He's actually closer to he's actually better than Russell Wilson was in his second year in terms of the numbers. Same thing with Ben Roethlisberger, way better than Ben in both his first two seasons. So Mac's already had Ben Roethlisberger. He was able to win a Super Bowl with that same formula, if you will, where they had Jerome Bettis back in the backfield as well in terms of comparing to Marshawn Lynch, although Bettis wasn't even the main guy at that particular point in time. But you understand it. Their motto was run the football. Okay. But the Patriots have already proven, like, hey, if we can't run, we'll have back throw it, just like he did last week against Tennessee. The other guy to bring into the equation, you do realize that Mark Sanchez made it to the AFC Championship game in both of his first two seasons. Not just his rookie year, but the second year as well. The second year they lost to who? Indianapolis. The first year they lost to Pittsburgh. Okay. How about this? Mark Sanchez. Now, I'm not telling you that Mac can do this in 2021 and get into the postseason. 162 yards per game his rookie year on 24.2 attempts. He had a 63 quarterback rating, passer rating, I should say. I don't know why I always do that. 53.8 was his completion percentage. 12 TDs, wait for it, 20 interceptions. So, like, like I know Wiggy has this whole idea that 
he is essentially Mac is a passenger along for the ride. He actually asked Boomer about that a couple of weeks ago. Boomer said it was ridiculous, which I totally agree with Boomer. But nonetheless, Mark Sanchez was a passenger. If you want to compare Mac Jones to rookie quarterbacks, it would be to Ben and Russell Wilson because of the team success. But the difference between Mac and Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger at that particular point in time, Mac is a much better passer. He's much further along in his development than either one of those two guys were. And when you look at it in terms of Mac's difference between Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger, the Patriots have already proven. Now, at the beginning of the season, they weren't doing it. But the Patriots have already proven, hey, if we're playing a defense that is really good against the run, we're just going to let Mac throw the ball a ton. He's throwing the ball over 31 times per game this season. And we saw in the first half against Tennessee, they barely ran the ball because they knew Tennessee's game plan was to sell out and try to stop the run. It didn't phase Mac whatsoever. He was great in the first half. Really, his only two bad throws in that game came in the second half. Remember the first drive of the third quarter, the throw to Kendrick Bourne and the one to Jonu Smith that could have easily been a pick six. Although I heard Fourier say yesterday, and I trust his judgment more than me. I mean, he knows. He said that Jonu Smith ran a horrible route there. So... I, I'm not defending Mac. I'm just telling you that that's what Fourier said, that Johnny Smith actually ran a terrible route on that play as well. So it wasn't just Mac's fault. But the point being, we're talking about two bad throws in a game where the Patriots won, what, 36 to 13. Not to mention all the great throws he made in the game, like the one where he found Kendrick Bourne in the back of the end zone. I mean, what a ridiculous throw and what a ridiculous catch that was as well. So if you're looking to compare Mac Jones and say, well, okay, how does he make a run? And Ben Roethlisberger went to the AFC title game before losing to the Patriots. Russell Wilson, yeah, I get it. He didn't make a deep run. Mark Sanchez made it to the AFC championship game, basically playing horrible quarterback. But all those teams had the same formula, and the Jets did as well. Let's run the football. You knew the Jets. They wanted to run the football. They had, what, Thomas Jones the first year, and then the second year, of course, they brought in Ladanian Tomlinson. But they wanted to run the football. They wanted to run it down your throat. And they wanted to play good defense. Same thing can be said about the Steelers. We knew that they wanted to run the football and play good defense. Obviously, the Seahawks with Marshawn Lynch and that great defense that they had. We mentioned all the names. The Patriots, a very similar formula, except this. Their quarterback is better than all those teams in terms of the quarterback position. So that's why when you look at it, the Patriots, yeah, you look at the rest of the AFC. Like I said, the only team that I look at right now and I can say is definitively better than the Patriots is the Bill, is rather the Chiefs just because the resume. Definitely not the Bills. You look, and that's going to be a great game on Monday night. That's going to be a real test for Mac Jones and company going to Buffalo. But the big overwhelming point is this. If you are hesitant that the Patriots can't make a run because Mac hasn't been there before, all the evidence points to the contrary. He can make that run deep to the deep into the postseason. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. A lot more to get into, including We'll get into something Wiggy said about J.C. Jackson that makes zero sense. We'll do that at 11, but I do want to get to a couple of other things as it pertains to the Patriots. I'm worried about Damian Harris. I'll tell you why next right here on WEI. All right, welcome back in. We're with you until midnight. About 10 minutes from now, we'll get into a take that Wiggy had about J.C. Jackson that is absolutely asinine. Also on the table are the Patriots, the best team in the AFC East, and how far can Mac take them? 617779 7937 is the number. So I did want to get to this real briefly. Just a concern I have with the Patriots is Damian Harris has not been the same guy over the past couple of weeks. And I get it. He's coming back from a concussion. But if you look at last week, 11 rushes, and I get it, the Tennessee Titans were selling out to stop the run. I'll get into that in greater detail in a second here. But Damian Harris in that game the other night, 
11 carries or the other day, 11 carries for 40 yards, which, but sorry, I keep getting distracted, but it's so annoying when they have all the good games at one. Like I remember last year, Brady never played at the same time of the Patriots. There's only like three times it happened at the same time. I would have much rather have been in a situation where, and I know that the Packers were playing against the Rams and all this, but I would have much rather watched the Buccaneers and Colts game and watch red zone on the other TV at four and then had the Patriots at one. Like I hate it when the Patriots are on at one and all these other great games are on because you can't focus on the other games. You can't get involved with the red zone. Like the red zones on the other TV, you're kind of half paying attention when the Patriots are in commercials, but other than that, you can't pay attention. Like I hate when the NFL does this when there's only one good game at four, I get why they do it because Fox wants to get that big number or if it's the CBS game, CBS wants to get that big number. But Sunday sucked because, look, that Packers-Rams game was good. It was entertaining, et cetera. But we have to do this. We have to get back to no Brady when the Patriots play. I still want to watch Brady, and I still want to watch the Patriots, and you need to separate those games, okay? Enough is enough. I'm standing up for everybody in New England. Enough is enough. God, that pisses me off. Anyway, uh, back to (laughs) Damian Harris. Okay, 11 carries, 40 yards, 3.6 yards a carry. That's underwhelming to begin with. But if you look at that, remember, 28 of his 40 yards came at the end of the game on those two carries. So other than those two carries at the end of the game, it's even worse. Nine for 12, which is 1.3 yards per carry. Okay, so pretty bad. Stevenson, on the other hand, nine for 46, 5.1 yards per carry. Harris was Harris right now is at 4.2 yards per carry. That's down from five yards a carry a season ago. So that's a big number in terms of the drop-off. You go from 5 to 4.2. Stevenson's at 4.6 yards per carry. So way better than what Damian Harris is doing right now. And here's the question I have is if you look at it, on the season, Harris is seeing eight-man boxes actually a little bit less than Stevenson, 29.9% of the time, which is a relatively high number. Stevenson, though, is at 31.6. And Stevenson's been the more effective back when the opposition is putting eight-man boxes together. And my conclusion from all this is it's because even though he hasn't had a lot of receptions on the season, the defenses are respecting the ability that Stevenson has to catch the ball more so than Damian Harris. When Damian Harris is on the field, the defense sells out against the run every time. He becomes very, or the offense rather, becomes very predictable. If you look at it on the season, Damian Harris has played way more snaps, obviously, Remember, there were games where Stevenson wasn't even active after he fumbled in the opening game of the season. But anyway, just getting back to your original point, he's been targeted the same amount of times as Harris has this season. And he's played way less snaps, 15 for Harris and 15 for Stevenson. So even though Stevenson doesn't have this unbelievable reputation as somebody that can catch the ball out of the backfield in the NFL, defenses are actually aware of his ability to do that. With Damian Harris, the defense doesn't care. So at this point in time, We're seeing the carries getting pretty close to even in terms of Harris and Stevenson over the past couple of weeks. I would contend that down the stretch of the season, Stevenson's actually going to pass him on the pecking order because he can do more things. And by the way, at his size, six feet, about 245 pounds, you should not be able to run the way that he's able to run. So I believe that Stevenson's going to pass him by the end of the season. It's just because Damian Harris, when he's on the field, look, he was really good for the majority of last year. He's had good games this season. But Stevens is just a more talented back right now, and he brings more to the table. Even if we haven't seen him catch the ball to the backfield as much as you would like, it's clear on 
it's clear when you watch the defenses, they're at least aware of it more. And with more eight-man boxes in terms of the percentage, he's a more effective runner than Damian Harris right now. So he's going to pass him. It's inevitable. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Wayne in South Boston. Wayne, what's up? What's up, Barry? I was, hey, remember what we said? What's that? That if uh, I got it right, 34 points, you were going to say, hey. Oh, yeah, yes. You were right about that, Wayne. Good stuff. I was right, brother. I was right. What did you say? Did you say 34 to 10? I said 34-16. Oh, 34-16. Oh, you were close, man. So 36, 30, yeah, you were close. Hey, good prediction. I like it, Wayne. Hey, hey, brother, I go, I roll with my Patriots, and I go with what I think. I just thought, I had a feeling we were going to smash them, man. I just, they didn't have enough, you know what I mean? Even even though that kid Hilliard and the other guy got, a, you know, broke, that one of the runs was broken off, and, you know, I mean, he went right through. We'll give him that. But the second one where J.C. came out, man, that was unbelievable. He saved the game. He did. Because if he, yeah, because if he gets that ball and they get in, man, they, now they're starting to feel good in themselves. And we... All right, I think we lost Wayne. Hey, good stuff, Wayne. Appreciate the call. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. He was right. It's a pretty good prediction. I forgot about that. 34 to 16. He did say that last Wednesday when I was in Vermont. Oh, the other thing, he mentioned the big runs for them. You look at Deontay Foreman in that game. So this is what is kind of, I don't want to say infuriating, but it's one thing you take away from this game. Everybody looks at, oh, my God, the Titans ran the ball all over the Patriots. Okay. Well, Deontay Foreman in this game, 19 for 109, 5.7 yards per carry. And by the way, he did have one 30-yard run. Hilliard, he had a good game as well, 12 for 131, although he did have one 68-yard run. You give him credit for that. But the point being is the Patriots are actually stacking the box against Foreman in particular, 73.7% of the time, which was the second most in the NFL in terms of seeing eight-man boxes last week. And he still ran for 5.7 yards per carry. And even if you take out the 30-yard run, he's still well over four yards per carry in that particular game. And in terms of Hilliard, you had uh, eight-man boxes 25% of the time. He still ran for a buck 31. And I'm wondering if part of this was the game plan was, okay, let's force Ryan Tannehill to beat us, which he couldn't do. We saw him. He threw for less than 100 yards. He threw the interception as well. He, he was horrible in that game. Not to say that he had a lot of work to work with, but the guy was horrible in that game. But obviously the plan was let's try to stop the running game by stacking the box, and the Patriots were unable to do so. So I'm wondering, I'm not willing to say, okay, this is a big issue for the Patriots, although they're not elite in terms of rush defense. Every other criteria the defense are great at besides the rush. I'm wondering if this was just an off game for them. Now, in totality this season, you look at the rush defense. It has not been what it's, what you'd like it to be. It's their one weakness, right? 115.8 yards per game. That's 20th in the NFL. Everything else, they're way up there. Passing yards per game, they're fourth. Points per game, they're first. If you look at, or excuse me, total yards, they're fourth. Points per game, they're first. Passing yards per game, they're third. Okay, so they're really good in every category except rush defense. So I'm wondering, too, if part of it is just the modern-day NFL where they're more focused on taking away the big plays than they are the running game. But one thing is interesting about this, and Mutt mentioned this, so I looked up the numbers. Mutt mentioned the fact that they had a ton of tight ends out there in terms of, and they used a fullback a little bit in the game as well. So clearly they knew that they didn't have the weaponry to be able to throw the football. 
So they just put all their resources, if you will, and saying, okay, we're going to try to just run it down the Patriots' throats. So if you look at it, Jeff Swain, the tight end, played 73% of the snaps. He was only targeted once. Pruitt played 43% of the snaps. He was only targeted once. And Fersker played 41% of the snaps. He was only targeted once. So those are three tight ends that played a significant amount of the snaps. In the case of Swain, over 73% or at 73%. Pruitt and Fersker both over 40% of the snaps. So clearly this was, and I give Rabel credit, it's a decent game plan. And they were able to run the ball very effectively, especially in the first half of the football game. They were able to run the ball really well. In that, and they just ended up their drive stalled out when they got into the red zone, really, over the 50-yard line. And you had Bullock missed an extra point, and then he missed a field goal. So he was horrible in the game as well. So I'm not willing to say, okay, the Patriots cannot stop the run. This is going to be a major issue going forward. But it is something to keep your eye on. If you were selling out to stop the run against Deontay Foreman and Hilliard, and remember, this Tennessee Titans team came into the game. The three games prior to the one against the Patriots in terms of running the football, they were averaging just 2.9 yards per carry. Their offensive line has not been great all season long. So maybe you just chalk it up to one good game plan that the Titans had in terms of their ability to run the football. But it is something to at least keep your eyes on going forward. With this defense, that has been really good in every other statistical category that can, you can look at besides stopping the run. And if teams are going to look at that and pick up. Now, it's not going to affect you against the Bills. They suck running the football. They can't run. But you get Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. That's one of the better running football teams in the league. With a guy like Jonathan Taylor, that would be a concern in that particular matchup. Not against the Bills. So really, outside of the game against the Indianapolis Colts, you really wouldn't be that worried about it in the regular season. Now, in the postseason, if the Browns get healthier and they get in, that's a team, of course, that can run the football. They didn't have Chubb last time, but I'm not concerned about them because Baker sucks. Obviously, we know what the Ravens' identity is. They're going to want to run the football. So it is something to keep your eye on is you get closer to the postseason, and in particular, the game against Indy. That's the one that you really have to be concerned about in terms of, okay, is that rush defense really an issue? 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. A lot more to get into. And on the table all night, if you want to weigh in on, are the Patriots the best team in the AFC? That's on the table. And does Belichick now have the ability to win the divorce with Brady after what we've seen so far this season and the fact that he found his franchise quarterback? But I do want to get into this. Wiggy... He has a lot of strong takes, a lot of them. But he said something about J.C. Jackson that makes no sense to me. We'll see if you agree with Wiggy. We'll get to it next here on WEI. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 